He's here tonight uh, to preach for us at Central. Let's welcome to the locker to the pulpit, if you will. Amen. What a joy and a privilege it is to be back here at Central. I was feeling pretty good till the beginning of the service, and we were sitting down there, was talking to our brother, the song leader, and he complimented my bow tie, and we began to talk about Paisley's, and I said, well, you know, as a child growing up as a teenager and in college in the 80s, man, the Paisley's was the rage, and he, his response was, oh, Paisley's were popular in the 80s, like that was a long time ago, and kind of got over that, and then we're on the platform, and Brother Coates comes over and says, yeah, you, and the pastor says, you know him. He's like, yeah, I was looking at my baptismal certificate the other day from October of uh, 2002, and you baptized me 20 years ago coming up. So I feel like I need to take a Geritol and head to the house. Yeah, but it is a privilege to be here. Enjoyed being with your pastor and his wife and daughter, and uh, they fed me so much. I don't know if I'll be able to preach more than five minutes. The young people got all excited. They're amen. They're like, we don't want you fed them, preacher, but take every speaker back. No, we could probably do a little more than that. But uh, we really enjoyed being with them, was able to be with them at a preacher's fellowship uh, yesterday morning in uh, Pensacola. And your pastor did a wonderful job. Tremendous message was encouragement to the pastors, encouragement to me. Wife and I enjoyed very much the message and the time and the fellowship and enjoy being here. Thank you so much for supporting the Beams Ministry, for praying for us and supporting. God is blessing, and uh, we are so thankful what God has done this year. We've been able to send out over 57,000 Bibles. Uh, the Croatian Project, the Bibles have been printed. They've been sent. They're ready to go. We are working on getting all the logistics set up. So they should be heading out and heading to Croatia here in the next few weeks to be able to send out 10,000 Bibles. And so we are excited about that. Our VBS project this summer. Funds have come in really well for that, and that was Bibles for, for Brazil. We get those printed actually in Brazil, so we don't have to worry about the shipping, and we're looking forward to that. And talked with uh, one of the missionaries the other day, and he was asking how it was going and uh, the fundraising. When I was telling him, he was just uh, shouting about in tears on the other end of the phone. He said, you still know what these Bibles are going to do, and these pastors are excited uh, for the, those Bibles, because how are you going to disciple if you don't have a Bible? How are we going to grow if we don't have that meat and have that time to spend in the Word of God? So thank you so much uh, for that and for supporting, and uh, we're looking forward to our national conference. Hope you can come down and be with us. That'll be February 27th and 28th, uh, 2023. We'll begin with a fish fry there in the afternoon uh, at the Beams headquarters on Duckworth Road there in Gulfport. And then we'll go over to the church and uh, Monday evening we will have Dr. David Gibbs with CLA and Dr. Joe Arthur preaching. And then Tuesday we'll have four preachers in the morning and uh, uh, Faith Baptist Church with us where we will meet. Uh, pastor Dan Carr is our pastor and the host pastor there. And the church will provide lunch and we'll provide a supper. We'll have a break in the afternoon and then come back and uh, Dr. David Gibbs and Dr. Johnny Pope uh, we'll close us out on that Tuesday evening. We'll have an open house on Monday. If you've never been 
to the Beams facility. We invite you to come. It is your ministry. It's for your missionaries. Come by, see the Biblical Heritage Exhibit, and see what God has done through your prayers, your giving, and the wonderful blessing of the Beams ministry. And thank you for being a part of that. Take your Bibles tonight and go to the book of Genesis in chapter 11. When your pastor asked me to preach, I was excited. Then he gave me a theme, and then give me the theme, this one thing. How many preachers can focus on just one thing when they go to preach? And he said, one thing that, uh, uh, that is instrumental in your ministry, one thing that you've learned. And tonight, what I'm going to preach on is... I'll put it this way, it's one thing that I've learned that is very important, that is very necessary in a marriage, in a family, in a church, in a business, but I won't say that I have learned it or I have mastered it. I understand very much the importance of it. I understand the necessity of it. I also see in many churches and many marriages and many families a lack of it. I see in our society today, in politics, a lack of. And that is the area of communication. In Genesis chapter 11, verse number 1, if you find your place and you're able to and willing to, would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? Probably familiar to you if you've studied the Word of God uh, very much. The Tower of Babel here in Genesis chapter 11. In verse 1, the Bible says, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for, uh, brick for stone and slime they for, uh, had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, when the children of men, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Father, we bow before you tonight. Lord, there's many things that are running through my head and through my heart. Lord, let me stop and just listen and let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Father, these folks didn't come to hear from me. They need something from heaven. Lord, they've worked hard today. Some of them may have traveled many miles and did a lot of sacrifice, may not have be even been home from work yet to come to thy house. So, Lord, I pray that you will use me, Lord, and preach through me to make a very profitable time for them, to draw them closer to you. If there's one here tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, may this be the night that they uh, establish that relationship. They come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Speak to us tonight, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I heard a funny story 
uh, about this couple, and it shows how misunderstanding and confusion can happen if you don't communicate your message properly to another person. The story goes about a husband and wife and a shopping trip that went wrong. A lady needed some things to make a cake, and she decided that she would send her husband to the store to buy them. First big mistake right there. But her husband, uh, he was on his way to get with his friends to uh, watch an important game. Probably Alabama beat LSU, you know, something like that, a football game like that. Uh, but uh, anyways, he was really excited, ready to go. She knew that. And she's like, I really need this. And he wanted to be a good husband. And he said, I'll go on one condition, that there are only a few items and I can go through this express checkout. So this was a few years ago before we had all the self-checkouts. And that way he could go to the store, pick, her those few, pick up those few things, bring it back to her. He could still get to his event, watch the game with his friends, and enjoy his afternoon. So the husband left and the wife expected him to return soon. And the time passed and he didn't come and he didn't come and began to worry. If his wife was like mine, she saw me in a ditch upside down, dead, decapitated or something. That's what happened. I was running late. Uh, and so she's really worried and beginning, getting ready. She was going to call, see what happened. And all of a sudden, he pulls into the driveway, and he come into the house with three bags. He put them down on the kitchen floor and told her he'd be back with the rest of the bags. She was wondering what in the world was going on and what he was talking about. And she started unpacking the bags. In the first one, there was a pound of butter, two bags of icing sugar, three bottles of vanilla. In the second bag, there were four dozen eggs. In the fifth bag was five packages of lard and her grocery list. She looked at the list and suddenly realized what had happened. When her husband asked her to make sure he could go through the express checkout, she had numbered the items one through seven something she had never done before. One pound of butter, two, bag of icing sugar, three, bottle of vanilla. Now you're getting the picture of what took place. She quickly put the list away before her husband came in with the rest of the bags and decided not to say anything at all about the numbers. Instead, she planned on thanking him for being such a great husband, uh, and he brought in more bags. And he brought in a bag that contained six bags of flour, seven large cartons of milk. Then he looked at his wife and said, I obviously didn't go through the express checkout because there was too much stuff. However, when the cashier was ringing up the last item, I realized what I had done and I just wanted to get out of there, uh, out of the store because the people in line behind me were laughing. Now, some of you got the picture of what had happened. She numbered it. He thought that's how many uh, bags or how many items that she wanted. But in what had taken place and what had happened, there was a lack of communication. What she was saying and what he heard, what he uh, thought she wanted were two different things. Now, this is a funny story, and we may may laugh at that, and you may laugh because husband and wife, some of those things may have happened and taken place in your life, 
But a lack of communication can really cause a lot of problems. There are a lot of people that are talking today, but no one seems to understand each other. Uh, there are people here in this particular time at the Tower of Babel. I find it very interesting. Now, I understand and I know that they are outside the will of God. I know that they're living in disobedience to God because God told them to go and replenish the earth. And they decided, no, we're not going to scatter. We're not going to replenish the earth. We're going to come together, and we're going to build this tower, and we're going to build this monument, and we're going to make our own way to heaven, and we're going to do away with God, and we're going to live our own life. But I find it very interesting that when God came down and looked at them, and when God looked at what was going on, and He came there personally, and we know God, God knew all that was going on, but in all the things that God could have done to stop the building, God could have sent a storm that wiped out, could have sent a tornado. He could have sent uh, a lightning bolt that would have exploded the tower. He could have sent a, a pestilence, a, a plague uh, that happened to the people, a sickness that stopped them. There are many things God could have just thundered from heaven and spoke and said, now stop this, do not do this. But God used the changing of their languages, which hindered and stopped communication. Have you ever worked with somebody that you couldn't communicate with? Somebody that you're talking to and you're asking them for something and they have no clue of what you're trying uh, to ask or they're handing you a wrench that you don't need, a wrench you need a hammer, but that's what they think you're asking for? It hinders the job. It hinders things from going on. In churches and in families, there is a, a lack of real communication. Uh, we're only catching part of, of things. In a home, a lot of times, uh, the children are only getting the rules without the reason, and it is breeding rebellion. They don't have an understanding why we have these rules. Now, sometimes they're too young to understand, but as they get older, uh, there's got to be a reason. Why are we doing this? They may not like the reason. They may not understand the reason, uh, but they need to know the reason. We need to communicate. Husband and wives, hey, we need to communicate. Pastors uh, trying to cast and communicate a vision sometimes. I know there was times in my pastoral ministry that I was trying to share what I felt the Lord wanted us to do or to cast a vision, and the folks weren't getting it, and I was getting frustrated because I didn't know how to get it across. They were getting frustrated because they didn't understand where I was coming from, where I was going, what I wanted to accomplish. Sometimes we need to understand, first of all tonight, what is authentic communication. Because sometimes when you start talking about communication, uh, people are like, well, uh, I'm talking, they're not listening, I've tried to communicate. There are some rules, there are some things that are very simple that we can really spend a lot of time on, but I just want to give these to you quickly to remind you that uh, communication, authentic communication, is not the volume of words that you use. It's not just talking to someone. It, it is not just expressing your thoughts. It's not expressing your, your feelings to somebody. It's not necessarily what you say, but what did they hear that you said? You, the communication uh, is an understanding and being understood. 
It is identifying the tone of voice. I love text message because it's so simple and easy. I don't like phones. I grew up, and like I said, I, I really felt old, so I might as well add some more things to fill in old. When my parents in 1977 moved to Islam, Pennsylvania, and we moved in, into our little house, and it was a coal mining uh, town, little house, we still had party lines. Now, for you young people, that doesn't mean that it was a good time and there was balloons and cake. That meant everybody in the town shared the same phone line. So if you picked up the phone, somebody may be talking on there, and they would give you a lecture. When the phone rang, you had to know what your ring was. Is it one long, one short? So you had to listen. I'm 50 or 54 years old. I will not answer a phone on the first ring, even though it is my cell phone. I still wait to see if it is our ring. Why? Because if you've ever answered some 80-year-old Italian woman's phone call, and she got done blistering you on the phone and saw you out in the neighborhood later, you wouldn't want to touch a phone, all right? And so this idea of communication and listening and the party lines and hearing, hey, it is not uh, just talking, but it's understanding the tones. I like text message, but you don't always get the tone. Maybe you're joking, and the people take it as you're serious because they can't see your face. They can't hear you. So communication, authentic communication, is understanding and being understood. They couldn't know that they needed more brick. They didn't know they needed more mortar. They didn't know they needed help or this one to cut. Why? As they're trying to talk, as they're trying to show, nobody was understanding and the work ceased and they dispersed. And a lot of churches and a lot of families and a lot of marriages are dispersing and breaking up. Why? There's no communication because they're not understanding each other. It's responding appropriately to offenses, resolving conflicts, knowing what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, experiencing the risk and rewards of knowing and being known, and much more. It is the process of sharing information with another person in such a way that the sender's message is understood as he intended it. Boy, it's really difficult as a pastor and preaching. Boy, I've been up and I've preached messages and I thought, man, this is where I was going. Then afterwards, somebody will come and they'll all be upset and said I preached on this and was going that way. And I'll go, were they in the same sermon? Did they sit in the same church? And I've gone back and got the cassette tape because I was old and get the cassette you know what those are some young people they're like we're lost this guy would he come in on a t-rex or something and I listen to the message sometimes we go into conversations and things and we've got our preconceived ideas and preconceived notions folks authentic communication is not just words but it's saying and being understood in the tone and the manner that you want why do we need it? Uh, one man described it this way. Dr. Fremont said, communication uh, is to a relationship like blood is to the human body. If we're going to have a relationship, if you're married, you're going to have a relationship. You must have authentic communication. Dr. Fremont also said in his counseling career that the basic cause of divorce was a breakdown in communication. 
I believe two Christians can solve any difference if they will authentic and be willing to talk things over and arrive at an acceptable solution and communicate. We don't have a lot of communication in our world today. Good communication, authentic communication will uh, establish harmony in the relationship, understanding of one another, acceptance of one another, uh, a building of the oneness in the marriage, in the business, etc. In our text, they were of one speech, not just one language, but of one speech. They were talking the same language. Have you ever said that to somebody? Hey, we're talking the same language. You, you got it. The other night was at a retirement uh, celebration for a pastor friend of ours, Brother Bob Simpson. And uh, they gave us a seat, some folks there, and sat down. And I sat by this elderly gentleman, and I can't even remember his name. But we started striking up a conversation, and they said something about he rode a motorcycle. And I said, oh, you rode a motorcycle? I said, I had a motorcycle. He said, yeah, I have a motorcycle. He's 86 years old, still has a Honda Goldwing and a Harley Davidson. And so I showed him a picture of my little bike. He showed me the picture of his bike, and then he said, oh, hey, when I was younger, here's the plane I used to fly. This was my first one. This was my second one. Oh, hey, look at my 1967 Mustang here. I said, man, you had a lot of cool stuff. He was speaking my language. We sat there and talked. Nobody else was in the room. He and I were so fixed. He's telling me stories about where he rode in all 48 states and on and on. My wife finally said, hey, we got to drive back to Gulfport tonight. You need to let him go. We need to go. And I'm like, okay. He told them, hey, then we need to have this preacher back. I don't know if he ever heard me preach or not, but he just wanted to talk bikes and things. We we're speaking the same language. You're laughing, but we used that to begin to build a relationship. And, of course, we shared about being in church and the places he'd been and places he was able to minister and song and things. What are some of the hindrances to communication? Let me give you these to you quickly. Too busy. We're too busy with our own personal goals to make time to communicate. When I moved to the deep south from Pennsylvania back in 94, the older generation used to talk about the front porch and how they'd go over with grandma and how they would sit on the front porch and how they would just talk. How that they were excited about hog killing time. And how they would get together and how they were scraping the hide, you know, scraping the skin so they could make, uh, boil those and make, make the pork skins. And how they were cleaning out the chitlins and smoking the ham and doing all that. And as the kids were there and all the multi-generations, how they would just take time and they'd say how we would just talk about life and about things. We're busy. We're too busy nowadays to communicate. The family dynamic makes you unique irritations in living together. And as you get a church, we call the church a family. So I kind of use a marriage, an example of that and how it can happen is you, you get married, okay? And you, you first get together. My wife and I, we celebrated uh, 32 years together in marriage. And, and we got married, man, I was all excited. 
man, we're, we're going to be married. This is going to be great. Her and I moving in the house. This is going to be wonderful. And uh, because I, sh I knew she married the perfect man, and so I was pretty sure I married a perfect woman. And this is, we're no problems. This is going to be good. We've been waiting for this. We couldn't wait to be married. And we move in the house, and this is going to be great. It was for a little while. She don't do things the way that I do. She does things different. You live with people. There can be problems. Can I show you one thing that can cause a problem in a family? Now, you may say, what in the world is that? It's the toilet paper roll. Now, you may say, what is the big deal about it? I did not know that there was laws about how it was to be hung. I grew up, oldest of five kids, I was proud we owned it and we had it there. As long as you could find it, you know. Hey, we didn't always have Kleenexes, so a kid got a runny nose. He would just grab it, take it, and wouldn't replace. So I was glad to go in there. No, my wife instructed me that I was kind of uh, an unlearned person uh, because I didn't know how to put it on the roll. There is a proper way. It's supposed to go down this way. You don't put it this way. It goes like this. You do know there's a patent out there for the toilet paper roll and how you're to put the toilet paper? Now, you may say, that's a funny thing. Is that uh, Really, does that cause problems? Well, one of my professors, when, and when I was in school, and we were taking a thing on, on family and marriage, and he talked about as he was at a family council, and he was telling about counseling two people that got in an argument, a vicious argument, a husband and wife, and how to put the toilet paper in the toilet paper roll, and they were arguing, and uh, then they, he went on with the conference, and there was a couple in the conference that they got in their car, and they were talking about how great the conference was, and the husband said, wasn't that silly? Uh, and that, that couple that he gave the illustration for and how they put the toilet paper on. And he's like, everybody knows it rolls down the back. And she said, I just want to tell you, you've been driving me nuts for years. That is not how the toilet paper goes. It goes on. And before they know it, they are having an argument over how the toilet paper goes. I used this illustration in a church one time. And afterwards, uh, they got one of the men come up, one of the guys on staff, and he said, toothpaste. He said, my wife has her own toothpaste. She don't go from the bottom. She just grabs that thing and squeezes out. Everybody knows you rolled out. There's irritations. You realize sometimes coming into a church, everybody comes from different backgrounds and, and different cultures and doing things different and you get around and sometimes there'll be irritations and if you let those irritations begin to build up, it will hinder authentic communication. If you're not understanding and you're not seeing this, authentic communication takes some work. It, it takes effort. It takes time on your part. Uh, the, find, the family dynamic makes for unique irritations and can hinder communication. The desire of one person, partner, business, friend, in a relationship to prove constantly that he or she is right. When not listen, they're always right. That'll hinder communication. Men and women think differently. I don't know if you know this. This might be startling to you, but they do. 
Men and women do think different. This came from a psychologist. And I say that so that when people get mad at me afterwards, I can say I got that from a professional, somebody with degrees behind their name. He said women tend to be subtle and hint. Men are more blunt. My wife won't tell me she wants to go somewhere. She will point it out as we're traveling. She will tell me about what's in that store. She will tell me all the things that she likes about that. And I'll say, well, that's nice. She'll go, well, I wanted to stop. You didn't tell me you wanted to stop. You just told me how nice that was. Well, I thought you'd get the hint. No, I didn't. If I want to stop or eat somewhere, I'll say, hey, we're stopping there eating. I'm going in. Pull off. Let's go. We're going to eat. Women hit. I guess it's that way in your house too. <laughs> Women are more verbal about things. My wife goes to tell me, she asked me, I'll come in from the office here at Beams. How was your day? Good. It's a good day. It's what? Ask her about her day. Well, I got up this morning and I saw this pile of clothes and watched this. Then my mom called and we talked here. And, and so. Was it a good day or was it a bad day? I don't know. That, that can hinder. If guys ain't careful, we'll shut them off. Women are more romantic and idolistic about things. Men tend to be more realistic. My wife likes ambiance when we go to eat. You know, she likes a place where they got nice platters and the chairs match, you know, things like that, you know, and... I don't care. We were with a preacher up in Tennessee, and our wives went to a ladies' meeting, and he said, hey, we want to go eat. What do you want? He said, uh, I said, what do you have? And uh, he said, we got Mexican. I said, I want some Mexican. He's like, wow, we got this one place. I said, look, the women aren't with us. I eat in gas stations all the time, think some of them are the best food. I don't care. If the food's good, I'll swat the roaches and we'll just go on. Is the food good? He's like, all right, come on, we're going to go. And he took me to a gas station that had a cooking trailer out front and some picnic tables, and it was awesome Mexican food. My wife's like, I don't want to eat there. I ain't eating there. Hey, we have more romantic ideas about things than what men do. Women often ramble in their explanations. We heard that. Men are more logical. Mine, I, I added this one to his list of four. Sometimes women want to talk about things. and They don't want you to do anything about it. Don't tell me about a problem that you don't want me to fix. You come in and you have a job outside and you have a problem with somebody you're working with and you tell me, you're a woman, I'm a man, I'm going to go fix it. And I'm going to go down there and fix it. Where are you going? I'm going to go take care of that. She starts crying. I think she's thinking, he's the Superman. He loves me. He's going to go get beat up, but that's okay and, and all that. And I said, what are you crying about? Because I didn't want you to do anything. I just wanted you to listen. See, what was happening? We weren't communicating. Sometimes that happens in a church. One time I was a pastor and we had a desire. We were going to go and, and I had a deacon. And he and I, we, we seemed to be butting heads on things and couldn't figure it out. One day we sat down and we got talking and we realized we both wanted the same thing. We had the same desire, but we weren't communicating. And once we began to communicate, he became one of my dearest, dearest friends. We didn't always agree, but we knew where we were going. So let me give you these 
quickly. Let me give you four rules for authentic communication. Take your Bibles and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Nothing new to you. Apparently from your reaction and from the way you've responded to me, you, you understand, you see the need of communication. You're, you're seeing how important it is, not only in marriage, and it's a lot, <clears throat> a lot of fun. And my wife's okay with what I've been saying and, and, and joking like this. And, and I love her dearly, and I've tried really hard to get better at communicating and understanding her because the Bible commands that I'm to dwell with her according to knowledge. I need to study her. I need to, I need to understand her. And I, I've, been, I've been working on my degree for 32 years, and I like to say that I haven't even got out of my first semester yet. But I've been enjoying the study and don't plan on quitting. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better communicator. I, I have the privilege of traveling around and going into a lot of churches, and I need to be able to communicate to people talking with pastors, sharing the burden of beans. Relationships. Now that I got a little older, I have, have two daughters that are now married. I've got son-in-laws. What do you do with knuckleheads? You know, they're my son-in-laws. Now I got grandbabies. Communicating with my grandbabies and having a relationship with them. I want to communicate with them. So I need to, to understand some things to be able to communicate. In Ephesians chapter number 4, you're probably very familiar with these, but we begin reading in verse number 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for he remembers one of another. My was a joke a lot, and probably was true when I was a kid growing up. How do you know a politician is lying? His lips are moving, you know. He's speaking. And we would joke about that, but we believed in our heart. Yeah, there were some of those, and there were some that weren't. But there we really believed. But nowadays we're looking, we're seeing more and more that is acceptable, that even when they're caught in lies, when they're even caught, that they said one thing here and saying another thing over here. Hey, that's not communicating for long. You don't listen to them. You're not going to trust them. We know that old story when we were kids growing up hearing that, the boy that cried wolf, why? He lied so many times that when there actually was, was a wolf nobody listened nobody uh, would hear them why because they lied listen Christian we're to be speaking truth we're to have uh, honesty and relationships and to communicate there must be openness and truthfulness is the basis of Christian communication both parties must feel that they can discuss all subjects and not hide feelings be honest be honest no place for lying Christian no time for lying. Verse number 26, he says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So not only do we want to be honest to have authentic communication, we need to be honest, but we need to be current. We need to be current. We need to keep these things. We need to solve today's problems today. You see, this anger gets in, and be angry and sin not, and, and keeping that anger and build up. Anger short circuits good communication. 
of digging up old problems all the time. Deal with the problems and keep current. Hey, if you took care of that problem, leave that problem. Particularly sometimes in marriages, hey, they're always dredging up what happened a uh, hundred years ago in the marriage. Hey, listen, it's going to hinder communication. Why? Because that party's going to come to you, and even though you're supposed to resolve this and had this taken care of, if you keep going back, you're digging up, you're not going to be able to communicate. This anger. Timing is everything. He tells us here about timing. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Letting this happen, neither give place to the devil. Timing and keeping current is good. Can I tell you something about me? There are times when you don't want to talk to me. It's when I'm hungry. I can get hangry. You know, we've heard that term a lot. Uh, my daughters used to say, uh, Mama, we need to stop and feed them before the beast comes out. Because I would just get irritated. When I travel, GPS, that's a competition. That is my goal, to beat what it says, arrival day. All right? It says you're going to arrive there at 6 o'clock. Oh, no, I can beat that. I don't care if it's 5.59. I beat the GPS. I, just because my family are back there screaming because they've been six hours with going to the bathroom. Hey, we've got to beat this clock, you know. We've got to go. I ain't stopping to eat. Why? We want to get there. And then everything starts irritating. We need to understand. We need to look at people. We need to see when, when they're in different situations. We need to be able to, re we need to keep it current. But us, our anger. We need to be careful about that anger. Third thing, keep, be honest, keep current. Verse 29 says, Let not corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed in the day of redemption. Attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem. Let your communication be edifying. Put off words that tear down and attack the person. They may have made a stupid choice, but that doesn't make them stupid. Parents, be careful. Be careful when you're talking to your child and he does something and say, stupid. No, that's a stupid thing. Now, you call them stupid. Remember, they didn't ask for the gene pool. You gave them the gene pool. So if they're stupid, look in the mirror. But they don't realize, hey, that was a stupid mistake. That was a dumb mistake. That was not right. That was not proper. But you attack them instead of what they did in the action. You need to be careful. Be careful of the terms. He said, let not corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. Careful of the terms we use and how we structure our sentences. Let me, let me give you an illustration like this. I want to impress my wife. And so I see her across the room, and I walk over to her, and I say, Baby, you have a face that'll stop a clock. Then you're laughing. You say, Well, that, that doesn't sound good. But what if I went over to her and I rephrased it this way? Baby, when I look into your face and stare into your eyes, time stands still. Well, the clock still isn't moving. But it's going to be a whole different result than your face is fine. Hey, that's funny, but how many times we get our emotions 
and we structure and we say things, instead of being edifying, we ended up attacking the person and we wound them. Voice inflection and gestures communicate a lot. Children especially pick that up. Spouses, we know. Been married for a little while, we can just look. I, I can be preaching and look over at my wife and knew I missed something or said something I wasn't supposed to say and she don't have to say a word to see it on her face. I can walk in the door and she knows whether I had a good day or a bad day. Our tone, our inflections, we need to be careful. Realize your communication can grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, verse 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Folks, when things happen, and things are going to happen, I, I, I would tell churches that I pastor, I don't intend to make you mad. I'm not purposely trying to hurt you. But I'm human, and sooner or later, I'm going to say or I'm going to do something, probably not even meaning to, that may offend you and may hurt you. Please come talk to me about it. But you, we live in a society today that, that reacts and don't act. They don't respond. They just go off. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that he, in 16 and verse 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Well, I just get mad and I blow off and that's just who I am. Well, that's not who you're supposed to be. If you're saved, you're supposed to be like Christ. The Bible tells us that we're able to rule our own spirit. Some of us may have to work at it more than others. And before we just shoot off at our mouth, we need to think. We need to act. We don't need to react. We need to be communicating. We're living in a day and age that says you just act. You don't worry about what your actions do or who it's going to affect or the collateral damage. It is okay just to explode because you feel that way and say what you want and just get it off your chest and just let them have it. We're Christians. It's not how we're to communicate. And if we're going to have authentic communication, then we've got to learn how to act, not react. Deal with bitterness that you have, because bitterness soon develops into hatred. And ask yourself, am I responding to this situation Christ-like? Communications. I, I, I know this was just a general, went over a lot of things and could have spent a lot of time in all those. But this, this one thing that I, I desire in my life is to be able to communicate, to be able to share. When I go to a door and knock on the door, or I'm talking with somebody, to be able to communicate that God loves them. I want to be able to communicate. I want to be able to communicate with my, my granddaughters. I want to communicate with my son-in-laws, with the people I come in contact with. We don't have much communication. We got a lot of talking. We got a lot of messages. We got a lot of stuff going on. But when's the last time you felt like you got with your spouse, you got with your children, you got with somebody, you got with your parents, you got with a friend, and you really felt like you communicated, that you were speaking the one speech we're on the same page we're speaking the same 
language. Without communication, you're not going to have a oneness in a relationship. We need to be communicating with the Father. He wants to communicate. He's the master communicator. He'll speak to us. But many times, we don't know how to communicate one another. And when we go to God, our prayer time, our Bible reading time, is all about me. What do I want? What do I need to say? Instead of spending time to let God speak and communicate to us. How's your communication? This one thing. Something I have to work on all the time. Something I have not mastered. But I've found that this one thing is very, very important. Let's stand. I'm going to pray and I'm going to turn the service over to the pastor to close as he feels led. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for the kind attention. Lord, you know 